If you have your Bible today, if you turn with me to Joshua, the 22nd chapter, beginning at verse 1. Joshua 22, beginning at verse 1. Title of my message today is Finding Your Own Home. Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I have commanded you. You have not let your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren as he promised them. Now, therefore, return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of Jordan. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all of your heart and all of your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, sent them to their home. If I were to ask you this morning where your home is, what what would you tell me? Uh, What uh, address would you give to me? Would you give me your parents' address? Some of you that are young people here today, I'm sure, would do that. Or as Robert Frost said, home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. Is your home an address where you have lived for a long, long time? Or have you moved around a lot? And you're still moving around a lot. And you know that where you are now, you're not going to be very long. Is your home a dorm room? When boys go to college, they take their clothes and some posters of dubious origin. When girls go to college, they have summit meetings uh, with their roommates-to-be so they can make sure that their bedspreads don't clash, and they agree on matching rugs and curtains. Some college students cover their walls with trophies of past successes and the hopes of future acquisitions. When all is said and done for college students, It still isn't home. Home is not always an easy thing to define. Do you always think of home where you lived when you were a child? Or do you think of home as the place where you had your children? The researcher asked the mother, If you had it all to do over again, would you have children again? The mother said, yes, but not the same ones. (laughs) A cynic once observed that home is the place where a fella goes when he's tired of being nice to people. I was in a seminar uh, years and years ago. They were trying to 
get all of the local pastors to be friends and know each other and fellowship together and all that. So they brought in a psychologist to uh, lead the uh, seminar. Uh, He wanted us uh, to get to know each other, and so he asked us, there were about 15 of us, uh, some questions. The first question was, uh, where was your home when you were growing up? And so we all went around the room and told where our home was when we were growing up. And, of course, uh, some of the guys had lived in that area, and so it kind of was a a relational point uh, in the group. Uh, We would answer that question. And then the next question was, how was your home heated? I didn't see what that had to do with anything, but uh, some said gas heaters, some said... uh, floor furnace, some said a central system of sorts. The next uh, question was, where was the center of emotional strength in your home? Emotional warmth, where, where was that? Uh, was it a certain place at the house, maybe in front of the fireplace or in your room or in the kitchen? Or was uh, it a person like your mother or your father, or a grandparent, or a beloved uncle or aunt? And finally, the last question was, how old were you when God became more than just a word for you? And of course, there was a lot of uh, discussion about that. Then we all told uh, where we lived at that current time. And uh, we began to kind of talk, and some of the guys said, you know, There never was any warmth in any of the homes where I lived. And one of the fellows said, I don't know if I ever had a home. You know, the amazing thing might be if we went around the room today and asked some of those same questions and we encouraged discussion among smaller groups in the larger group here, we would find that some people have had a hard time. Uh, That home was not a great, wonderful experience. It was not happy time. Uh, It was not uh, let's all laugh together time. The Israelites spent a long time looking for a home. They were wanderers, those early Hebrews. They lived a hard, sometimes very bitter life. But they all agreed on one thing. They were looking for a promised land. So what's new? Who isn't looking for a promised land? We're all looking for the promised land still in one way or another. You maybe live around here and and you're looking for some financial success. Uh, A promised land with high salary and good benefits. Maybe some are looking for a place that has an educational system close by where you could go and take some courses that you might be interested in. You might even uh, get a college degree in your uh, middle to late uh, years. Some people uh, are looking for a place where they could get into a great romance. Uh, You know, there's a lot of people uh, that are always doing that and whatever the populace uh, might be. Some are just looking for a friend, a person that would go to the movie with you or go fishing with you or go, uh, you know, to hunt a bear or, what, you know, whatever it might be. 
What does everyone want? Uh, We are not just looking for good health care or a motorboat. We're all looking for a home. We're looking for our own place in this world where it's warm and where it's loving and where it's caring. As someone has said, the luckiest people in the world are the people that find something that they really love to do and they find out that they can make a living doing that. It's a wonderful discovery. Not all of us are that lucky. But there are some other ways to find home besides your work. We want to find home among people. You might have moved to this area because you knew some people here. And as life has gone on, uh, uh, some people that you've known for a long time have become very important to you. You might have moved here because family is in the region. And you, of course, wanted to be uh, close to some of them. It might be that you have found a home here uh, because of the church. You've made a lot of friends here, and, and they're important to you. You've shared your heart and soul and troubles and joys with them, and, and the bonds have grown closer and closer. For the staff of this church, uh, we're here, you know, most all a week, and then we're here all day on Sunday, and then we try and keep up with the folks that are sick or in the hospital, and we try and keep track of the victories that some have during the during the week, during the life. We try and keep track of spiritual welfare uh, in all the parts of our church family. So this really is, in many ways, a home for some that are really active in the body of Christ here. Most of all, we want to be at home in our own skins. Uh, That is not always easy. In fact, sometimes that's the hardest thing. Sometimes when there's a lot of togetherness, it gets overwhelming for us. And we really want to get away from it. Sometimes uh, when there's a lot of love, and we don't feel loving for a day, a week, a month, We kind of want to move away from all that. Maybe the values of others in the group are not your values. And that's a source of conflict and strife. Maybe the, the best thing about the group setting, the family setting, the friend setting, is the security of knowing that someone is there for you. A thousand speakers and writers have played with Thomas Wolfe's title, You can't go home again. Some say, oh yeah, you can go home if you want to. You can go back home. It's all right. Others would say, no, no, you can't go back home. Everything's changed there. There's no way in the world you can go back home and be happy. Remember, home is not behind you. Sure, your past can live very vividly in your memory, But there is a present tense to home. In our text, in verse 4, the Lord not only gave the land to those to whom it had been promised, but the rest for them and rest for us, the rest of redemption, 
that's only found in the family of God. We live in an age of tension. I'm sure you've noticed that all the politicians are saying ugly things about each other. I went to a meeting this week where a lot of the candidates uh, were there and they were uh, saying things and they didn't really want to say something really ugly about the people that were running against them, but uh, they kind of gave them a frown or a sneer or uh, something as they told about themselves. If we have a Christian home and the rest that God can give, then believe me, we are way, way, way ahead in the total situation of life. In one sense, we're all like turtles. We have to carry our homes around with us. Uh, Whether we like it or not, for a period of time, that is our home. There is also a future dimension to home. Not the way it was or the way it is, but the way we want it to be. That's the home that we wished we had. The home that we hope we can create. In our text today, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh got to the land Moses uh, said he was going to give to them, and certainly they got it. That promise was fulfilled. They would be happy there if they would do the things that Moses told them to do. In verse 5 of our text, the scripture says, Love the Lord, walk in all his ways, keep the Lord's commandments, remain faithful to the Lord, and serve the Lord with all your heart and all your soul. You know, every place where we might be, would be a wonderful home if we would just keep those commandments, if we would just do those things. No matter if you were in the desert or on a snowy mountaintop, all would be well in your life if we could follow those injunctions of the Lord, of Moses, and Joshua. These three tribes had, had wandered around for 40 years. And then they had to fight these uh, people that already lived in the land. And the Lord uh, told them to uh, kill them. And, uh, of course, uh, many of them were killed. Well, then they got a home. They got a place to call home. Suppose for a moment you could reenter the home of your past. What would you change? Could you touch it and change it? In a certain way, what would you get rid of? What would you keep? Would you get rid of your father's temper? Would you get rid of all your mother's tears? Or would you get rid of the pressures that you felt? You know, a lot of kids feel a tremendous amount of pressure. A lot of kids feel a tremendous amount of expectations from their parents. And the parents, it seems, even go overboard. I remember years and years ago, I helped uh, run a community center. We had football teams. We had about 10 football teams out of that center. And the dads would get out there, and they would try and coach their sons. 
And they would want their sons to be the stars. And if their sons weren't the stars, if their sons didn't play in an excellent way, the fathers would chew them out, get after them. I always wanted to walk over and punch them, (laughs) but I never did. Would you get rid of the pressure that you felt in such a way that it has carried over even to your adulthood? What would you keep? Would you keep the good times around Thanksgiving and Christmas when for the one time of the year you heard your dad pray? Or that great feeling you had when your mother really listened to you and when she hugged you with a love that you knew was real. We can't block some of the things out of our memory. They're there, some bad things that happen. But no home is 100% perfect. You know that. I don't guess the Israelites ever found all that they wanted when they got to Canaan. After all, it was the promised land, not the magic kingdom. It's never perfect. Not your home outside of yourself, nor your home inside of yourself. And you have got to accept that. That's just coming to grips with reality. No one here has a magic wand like Harry Potter did in the movies. None of us are like the Superman that we see in the movies. We're flesh and blood and heart and will. We make decisions about who we are going to become in the immediate and long-range future. It wouldn't surprise me at all with a crowd this size if three or four of you would make life changing, life-altering decisions this week, major decisions. We do that with regularity. We're not through making decisions that are important. We're still making those day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. I grew up getting swatted around by my dad. I remember clearly the first time I said no to him. I was a freshman in college, and I had to have a car in order to pastor uh, a little weekend church uh, that had called me to be their minister. My dad said, no, you can't get a car. And I said, well, I'm going to. Of course, he was in Chattanooga, And I was in Waco, Texas uh, at Baylor. From that point on, I paid all my bills. When I went home for Christmas that year, my family treated me like a man. It was very different. When I look at the life of Jesus, I don't look at the life of an idealistic dreamer. Jesus understood the bitterness of the world. He understood it better than anyone. Jesus accepted the bitterness of the world. Sure, he tried to change the people. He tried to change that attitude. Of course he did. He cared so much and tried so hard that he went even under the cross. 
to die for folks that were filled with bitterness. He knew where his home had been, and he knew where his home was going to be. And that, of course, was a part of the mooring that he had during his physical life. How can you get to the home you want in the future? The Israelites, by following the directions of God, the directions of Moses, the directions of Joshua, they got to the promised land. And it was a great land. It was great for crops. It was great for this. It was great for that. It was a great place. There was disappointment, of course, on on the way there. There was bitterness on the way there. The trip was was, uh, not a real happy thing. But finally, they got there. They got there. It was just unbelievable. Let Let me remind you of one thing. God is only possible. He is the only possibility. For you getting to your promised land. He's the only one that can do it. Many of you already have a faithful relationship to the Lord. You're on the road and you know where the road's going. Some of you are in a quagmire of left turns in life. And you have never made any real spiritual progress. You've thought about it a few times, but... Somehow or another, that just hasn't felt like home for you. But you need to discover that you are not just loved here by family and friends, but you're also loved there. That is, we are not just loved by those that we can see. We are also loved by someone, by something far greater that we cannot see. Now, if you asked me to prove that with test tubes, I couldn't. But I can show you altered lives by the millions and millions and millions. I can show you changed destinies by the millions and millions and millions. And changed attitudes and a change of address spiritually. In the darkest nights I have ever been a part of, underneath me has always been the everlasting arms. That same testimony has been given by every martyr, every one of them, in all of the ages, that have stood for God no matter what the cost might be. Today, I am sure, that today, in some part of the world, some radical Muslim is murdering some Christian. As their life is being taken away, they're saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the everlasting arms that are under me even now. Do you know how the fantastic city of Venice was built? You know that story? It's a very interesting story. Invading armies came and drove the inhabitants out of that area. Drove them out onto the mud flats. Just a terrible place. They 
left those poor people not a decent square inch of land to live on, to build a home. So the poor people moved out onto the mud flats, and they dug some canals, and they built some bridges, and on top of the mud flats, they built the fabulous city of Venice. That was their home, and it was special. I don't think the Israelites ever thought that they were going to get home. Can you imagine wandering around in the desert for 40 years? Not really knowing where you're going, just kind of wandering around. Can you imagine having to go in and fight all these people to the death? They, they didn't have a good sense about it, of course, along the way, but they, they kept believing the promise that there was a promised land out there for them. Wherever you are this morning, maybe you're bogged down in some mud flat, or you're wandering lost in some desert setting, or what feels like a wilderness to you, God can and will bring you home. He and he alone can take you to the real promised land. Sometimes we really don't know where home is or how to find it. We just just don't know how to do that. We don't have that skill set, it seems. We do know that we don't deserve the promised land. And we do know, like the Israelites came to find out, that the Lord can and will, if we'll let him, lead us home. He'll lead us home. The question, of course, is this morning, where's your home? Where's your home? Is it on the the mud flats? Is it in a place of sadness and sorrow? Is it a place of... Depression? Is it a place of hardship and pain? Is it on a snowy mountaintop somewhere and expressing what all's wrong with the world? Or are you on the road leading to the promised land? This morning, uh, I want to give an invitation. It's much like all the invitations I've ever given. If you're here today and and you know that you've never trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, in order to get out of the mud flats and out of the wandering around the desert, you've got to make a decision for Christ. Some people are real hesitant about walking down an aisle. It's a, a fearful thing for them. But if it's not for you, I, I hope today uh, that you would do it. If, if that is a, a really scary thing for you, talk to me after the service. And we'll come to some, cl- some conclusions together. If you're here this morning and you've been a strong Christian for a long, long time, I hope that you'd come and join with us today and, and become a part of the ministering army of the Lord. We have a lot to do. There are a lot of people that are not 
not only in, not in the promised land, they're not even on the way to the promised land. They don't even know where the promised land is. And it's our job to help them. And we want you to help us to do that. So today, if, if the Lord would lead, you feel a tugging at your heart from the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, slip down to the front and take a stand for Christ. That would be wonderful. I'll be standing down here. I'll be waiting on you. Let's stand together as we sing. <laughs>